0: Welcome to the Sexy Times. I'm your host, Melanie Chambers, a journalist, author, cyclist, and sexual human being. I talk to women redefining what it means to be a sexy, confident woman. Let's dig in. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Today, I'm talking to Jewel Shanks. She's an embodied intimacy and a relationship coach. Trained in somatic therapy, somatic meaning of the body, She helps couples and individuals heal their sex lives through touch. For women, she can help with such things as dating and flirting, body image and self-love, low libido and desire discrepancy in couples, discovering your core desires. Oof, where to begin? Jill recently moved back to Dartmouth after living in Italy for 17 years. In our discussion, she reveals many unique perspectives on lust and the cultural shame of living a sensual life. Enjoy! Welcome, Jewel. Hey, Melanie. <laughs> so we're going to have a great conversation about sex, sexuality, erotic, all of it, Um but yeah, can you tell me what you do? Um, people would pro- probably call you and say, um, I'm having relationship difficulties, fix me. Um, but, <laughs> but in your words, tell me what you do.
1: Yeah, I'm a somatica trained sexologist. And somatic. the somatica method uses something called the relationship lab. So it's not just like... Um, I'm a coach, a sex coach, intimacy coach, relationship coach. Uh, and so when I see clients and couples, it's not just talk coaching as the traditional type of coaching. It's more like actual practical tools, embodiment techniques, breath work, visualizations, movement. We work with erotic energy. we We actually enter into a type of relationship. okay. Together. Are yeah. you touching? Your patients? <laughs> They're not my patients. I'm, I'm not a therapist. Um, my clients, I do use touch. Yeah, it's all within the boundaries of the method. There's, yeah. I can tell you the boundaries if you like.
0: Yeah, but, please. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there's, yeah. Uh, so touch is always consensual. Yeah. And we talk a lot about consent and boundaries. And there's no removal of clothing. Yep. And there's no touching of the genitals. There's no bringing to orgasm. There's no kissing on the mouth, but pretty much everything else is is okay. And there's a lot we can do.
0: Yeah, um, that's. <laughs> I'm already starting to think that's of.
1: within the boundaries. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and, but it doesn't happen in every session. I mean, it depends on what people come to me for.
0: Okay, and is it traditionally couples that are coming to you or individuals? I guess I individuals... get a lot of
1: couple requests, um, and I also have. Tons of individual clients, single clients as well. Okay. Okay. And polyamorous
0: clients, non-monogamous clients. Okay. Um, And so this is about you. How did you know that this was something you wanted to do?
1: (laughs) Um. After like my calling, (laughs) my end crash and burn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, hmm, "What's the common denominator here?" Oh, it's me. Um, I definitely didn't have healthy role models. Um, and so I was like, "Okay, something's got to give." I am done being in terrible relationships. I started actually hating men for a little while, and um, hardcore feminist. And and then I was like starting to take courses, learning more about psychology of sex and relationships just on my own personally for selfish reasons for my own benefit. And then I came across the Somatica Method and I was like, that is it.
0: That's you.
1: For me and to help people learn because we don't have a manual. Nobody like tells us how to do it. And there's a million and one different ways to be in relationship and we're only really fed from a young age, the fairy tale concept or the rom com fantasy. And it's like, that's not, no. that's not the way relationships work.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, the notebook. Yeah, no, that really. Right? Oh. The, yeah, <laughs> love actually. Like, I know. I find it all, it feeds into stuff that I grew up with. But at the same time, when I watch it and then I'm like, ah, oh, No, no, it's not that I feel bad about it. You know, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just, well,
1: I mean, the way we get our sex education at school Mm -hmm. is very clinical.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, then there's like the locker room talk or the talk with your friends and things are exaggerated, things are left out. And I mean, there's only so much that you can learn in that realm. Yeah. Yep. Or
0: looking at our parents. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> do know about yeah. your parents. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. No. No. Um. A long time ago, I heard that in Holland, when uh, parents of daughters talk to them about sex, they talk about responsibility, of course. Um, but they also talk about joy. And there's um another researcher, Michelle Fine, who says that. It's the missing discourse that we didn't have the conversation years ago. And um, my sister, who's 30, is a thousand times more uh aware of sexuality than I ever was they are you know? changing
1: thank goddess yeah
0: so I really when I talk to her about sex and I'm like oh do you know this term and she's like yeah Melanie I know that term
1: <laughs> <laughs> when there, there are new terms every day I'm not even up on all the terms and I oh, study the terms it, they drive it. me
0: crazy they drive me crazy a little bit because yeah. Um, if we're also trying to be open about things, I feel like as human beings, the minute we name something, we're sliding in it into a category. And I'm like, you know, even as I'm writing about my own sexuality in my memoir, I'm like, am I this? I like women. Does that mean I'm this? Like, and it trips me up. I'm like, I don't, you know, the first time. Yeah.
1: I, I mean own. there are layers and complexities <laughs> and we aren't just one thing and it can no. change over time. Yeah. It's organic. It's like this this actual uh way of being that's not fixed. Humans right. are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the movie Sideways. Have you seen it? No. It's about male depression but it's also the backdrop is about learning about wine and there's a woman that talks about wine is a living, breathing thing that the wine that you have on one day is not going to be the wine that's produced on the next day because it's always evolving. It's a, it's a really great quote, but it, yeah, it makes me think of this, like, you know, what I wanted from my sexuality and sex life five years ago is so different from what I want now versus what I may want in a year. So yeah, it's tomorrow. Yeah. Or an hour from now. I yeah. mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like changing. I like changing. Yeah. Well, that's um, the
1: nature of being human.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, just reading all these books about sexuality, it's, it's, you know, the phrase that I keep coming back to, it's, what do I want? You know, even when 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 I'm reading these books about sexual fantasy and stuff, I'm like, I'm, it's like someone asking you, "What's your favorite song?" And I'm like, "I don't know what my fantasy is yet because I don't even know sometimes what's on the table. Like, what are the options?" You know, um, and
1: that's that's what I see myself as doing. I definitely help people to populate the menu of possibilities, and and for them to decide what feels right because there's no one right or wrong way of being human in it as a sexual you know being
0: yeah. yeah yeah um along with that um so i'm going to go back to something we were just talking about you talked about the pilot light and can you explain what that means cuz i uh as i said it resonated with me so what is the pilot
1: part of what i do and that's the language that i use it's like this idea that your desire is uh, a flame And we generally in North American culture, keep that flame very low because of what we've been taught. Uh, It's, it's not okay to be, you know, overtly sexual. Um, I saw an ad on the bus the other day. What was it? Um, Flirting is not welcome here. And we're taught that male sexuality is dangerous and harmful and all these other things that are messaged to us, right? And so we keep our pilot light, which is our desire, our connection to our sexuality, on the minimum. And when it stays so low, it's hard to tap into it over, like if it keeps not getting lit, it gets lit in the bedroom, maybe, or or wherever you're having sex. But if you don't keep it lit and don't stay connected, literally connected to the sensations in your root chakra, in your genitals, if you don't maintain this connection, then it's harder and harder to experience desire.
0: Right, right. And, and
1: the, yeah. there are different ways of doing it. You talked about dancing as one. Mm-hmm. Sensual, like keeping sensual like nice fabrics um things that you like to touch and smell and look at and taste really relish in in the joy of those things and think about does am I allowed to say like pussy and cock is that okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yes, know please. please more pussy and cock <laughs> okay <laughs> So, I mean, staying connected to, I listen to my pussy regularly, like she will talk to me. She'll actually activate and turn on when I smell something delicious or when I'm making a decision, even like, what, what do you think? Do you think we should do this thing? And, you know, she starts to actually come online. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and so yeah. it's easier. Yeah. Keep the pilot light, the flame higher than we're used to keeping it. And it doesn't mean, you know, I mean, that's at your own comfort level and whatever it means to you, it doesn't mean you have to dress provocatively or yeah. if, if that makes you, you know, helps you to connect to it, then why not? But.
0: Yeah. Uh, I talk a lot about this and Esther Perel talks a lot about this, the erotic, you know, that the ability to feel sensual, without someone else, you know, that, and it goes along with masturbating. It goes along with, um, taking care of what you need to feel yourself. Like, um, yeah, you know, when I was weaning myself off of like a lot of promiscuous sex and just randomness, um, I found that dancing definitely healed me. It made me just sort of tap into, Mm -hmm. um, feeling desired. Uh, I loved people watching me, you know, I loved the costume of it. You know, the minute that I could dress in a certain way, I was like, I I don't need anyone right now. And that was reveling, right? Completely empowering. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: After like a few hours of dancing, you're hot and sweaty. Your whole body's been moving. You're breathing heavily. I mean, that's a simulation for the sex act
0: <laughs> yes yes gyrating is. you know yep yeah
1: and you're being visually stimulated your audio is stimulated
0: yeah and and i loved it in toronto at these techno dances because people are there to connect you know they might be dancing alone but I remember I would, you know, I would sort of bounce around between people and I would go up to them and chat for a minute and, and touch was immediate. There wasn't like a barrier. People weren't freaked out by a hand, even a hug. And to me, that's so nice, you know. And so can you talk about that culturally? You know, I know in North America, I feel like we are rigid. We're scared of touch and you know there's other cultures especially I find warmer cultures where you know it's okay for them to dress uh in halter tops and stuff because it's warm but it's also because of their dance culture and that sexuality's okay I
1: spent as you know I spent almost 20 years in living in Italy and the culture there isn't necessarily a dance culture and it's parts of Italy are really warm, but I lived in the North, which wasn't, but there was a definite, uh, my pilot light was lit there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. because it's a very sensual and passionate way of being the food yeah. culture and the wine and, and the way that there are distinct roles, traditional roles of male and female. Yeah. And, you know, my Canadian self, my feminist, hairy legged, no no makeup self was submerged in this. And right away, I felt a difference. I felt more like a woman mm. because I was the, the way I was being looked at. And it's true that we don't need others to help us activate that pilot light. But that helped me for sure to feel like I wanted to dress sexy. I wanted to, people to look at me for the first time. Like I was wearing baggy clothes in Canada and just really not caring too much and there it's like makeup high heels like look at me yep. uh I love being uh wooed and courted and taken care of and appreciated
0: oh yeah 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 and it's you know it it can be well yeah it's not borderline misogynist some of the guys are you know no
1: it is it truly is, <laughs>
0: it is. But at the same time, it, it's also unjust, You know, um, I was in Sicily with a girlfriend and she had two sons that were at the table and they were like eight and nine. And then and the waiter comes out and he's like, so who's the mama? And so my friend raises her hand and then he turns to me in the same breath and says, do you want to go out tonight? <laughs> so it's like... Okay, that's really weird. But you know, kudos. They 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 make the effort for sure. Yeah,
1: and I mean they're not shy about it. They're no. not shy about it. And and therefore they're used to rejection and disappointment. Whereas here, mm-hmm. rejection and disappointment, we're terrified of well, male-bodied people in particular of offending, of seeming creepy, of overstepping boundaries, you know, the Me Too movement, important movement, you know, to shed light on some dangerous and scary power dynamics and abuses of power. However, that means that a lot of the good men have stepped into the shadows as well, right?
0: They're terrified.
1: Yeah, we're terrified of each other. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's causing this rift, this huge gap. And we're, we're in a sexual recession we're, we're having less sex than we ever had before. Ooh. And we're, we're experiencing levels of depression and isolation and anxiety that are unprecedented. Loneliness for the first time is, has been recognized by the global health organization as um not a pandemic what's the epidemic as an
0: epidemic. Mm -hmm. epidemic wow loneliness yeah you know and it's funny um a lot of my book and for the longest time uh as someone who's a solo traveler moved a lot in my life um I thought it was a badge of honor to be independent and live alone then when I moved to Toronto, I, I I moved in with a cousin and I was like, wow, it's kind of nice to, you know, live with someone. It's kind of nice to have a community. And eventually I developed a community, but I was taught most of my life that being the lone wolf, being the female on her own is powerful. And I don't know, man. It's isolating.
1: We're it's taught very- competitiveness right from, you know, when we're young at school with marks and, you know, superior, inferior, in and out, like popular, not popular. If you're not winning, you're a loser, right? And yeah. and so we're all striving for this hyper-independence, mm-hmm. you know, and therefore we're not working in teams, groups, living in communities and so we're not practicing these relational skills that are fundamental. Yeah, like yeah. like tolerance and patience and being together and communication. So,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, we're just getting worse and worse at it, really.
0: Yeah, and you know, that <laughs> makes me think of my relationship. You know, a friend of mine who's been single for a long time. Um, she she listens to like Dan Savage, and she comes back and she tells me all this stuff. <laughs> She's She knows more about relationships and not being in one than she is in one. But, you know, (laughs) but she says that, you know, it's little, little um, concessions that we make that are the price of admission. Hmm. You know, that, um, you know, you pick your battles, but there is a price of admission of being with someone. And, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it outweighs being alone. It outweighs being alone. You know, why is there, um, you know, I think it's Pornhub is the number one website on the planet right now. Um, sex toys for women, um, are going through the roof. Like we, we can't stop wanting people. And Mm yet, um, and it's hard though. It it is, definitely found it hard as someone who is without children and I was never married. Um, so that's different too. That has its own ball of wax where the single woman, you know, the single woman.
1: Although statistics show Melanie that the happiest, there's been a Harvard study, um, on happiness for the last 80 years. I don't know if you know about that study, but, um, the, the happiest people are in long-term relationships And the happiest people, so the men who are married are the happiest and the females who are single are the happiest. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Which tells you something, but it's quite interesting. Mm, Maybe I'm just jealous of her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that. You know, it's, well, and even the idea that, uh, you know, if I was single living in Toronto, I would go to the sex clubs by myself. I have no problem, you know, doing that. Um, uh, but I, I know there's a lot of women out there that are petrified by that, but, um, yeah, you, you can have the best of both, both worlds, I guess, you know?
1: Well, it's what you make of it, right? Some yeah. people have a long laundry list of what they require in a partner and a lot of that, th- there are a lot of like, um, yeah, high expectations. And so <laughs> our tolerance is our threshold for other people's behaviors are, everyone's a narcissist nowadays, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> We're oh. using these, throwing these pathologies around like they're-
0: Yeah, petty. yeah. Um, you talked about, you know, the women in North America, the men, um, what are we what are you seeing with your clients it, um is there's I I know there's a lot of shame can you talk about shame, shame
1: is pervasive it's everywhere in our culture I mean it's it's the way uh society polices each other right and we're shamed and our no fault of anyone's but right out of the gate our parents shame us to help us you know conform yeah and it's a way of belonging however it's got dire consequences because we are fed shame like that you're a bad girl you're a bad boy if you do this this is the right way to behave so there are a lot of words that permeate the narrative of our our culture that are shaming healthy unhealthy you know Mm -hmm. um, correct right wrong and so the shame that most of us experience in north america around sex is related to body, body image, because we've been fed for so long that there's one way to be sexy, both male and female bodies. And so when we feel shame around our bodies, that is the number one reason why people are afraid to be naked around each other. Right. right? And that is a terrible thing. (laughs) <laughs> because that is how we have sex, and so <laughs> if you're thinking that there's this term, I don't know if you've heard of it about spectating. No, no, ah, so spectating is when you can't get out of your head when you're when you're having sex. You're like, oh God, what can he see my cellulite? Uh, is she oh. noticing that you know one, I don't know, one nipple's bigger than the other, or like so. If you can't get out of your head while you're having sex, you're not going to enjoy it.
0: No. Yeah. I've never had spectatoring.
1: (laughs) Okay. A lot of people that I work with do. Hmm. And that's one thing that kills the idea of wanting to have sex.
0: Yeah. Especially,
1: well, because it's so vulnerable.
0: Right. 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 Well, I I did an interview. This is years ago now with the the owner of Oasis, and um, it's a, a sex club in Toronto. And she said it's it's a geared towards women. So there's there's nights where single men are allowed, but that's the exception. It's it's meant to be inexpensive and accessible for women. But she says the biggest thing that prevents women from coming is that voice in of women and it's all the trauma they can't even get to the door without going oh my god I can't let someone's. I need to maybe I should lose five pounds and then I'll come or on the more serious side it's the sexual trauma it's the um whether it's you know being raped or it's it's um you know, all the things that plague women or all the messages they've heard throughout their entire life. Stop- we live
1: in, sorry, I don't want to cut you off.
0: No, go ahead. Go.
1: Thought- <laughs>
0: it's the messages.
1: Yeah. It's the messages. Well, we're, I mean, we're taught to people, please. right? To be very polite and, you know, a a good citizen, a good daughter, a good student. And so we are told to shut up and passively do what others tell us to do. And therefore, we are not empowered around our boundaries. Mm -hmm. I learned about what boundaries were in my 30s. Like what?
0: Yeah, I was in my 40s. I was in my 40s. And it was actually at Oasis where I, someone had, uh, I think they, they spanked me too hard. And I was like, no, no, I don't think so. And I moved on. And I was like, oh, I just said no. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's
1: when, I mean, we don't talk about having a boundary and consent conversation before we do get into any sex act. Like, is it okay to, you know, escalate with without asking between each, each escalation? Is Does that feel good to you? What feels good? You know, we don't talk about these things. We just sort of fumble around in the dark and we're not taught how to talk about these things. We're ashamed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Esther, again, my guru, my angel, my guardian angel. um, She talks about the idea that the minute you want to say that you want something, Mm -hmm. that's why I think that, you know, when I talk about sex and I talk about sexuality, I don't think I'm always talking about, the physical i'm i'm the mental and the idea that to say to yourself this is what i want this is what i don't want those are things that spread over into your life because the minute i said i want a sexual life um uh this is kind of how i want my relationship to look like paul you know i when i said those things out loud I was asserting myself for the first time in my life. Right. So I thought uh, it's
1: not okay to have wants and needs and desires and express them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. People won't love us or something. And, oh, and, and then this, the, this whole book that I'm reading, it's called uh, tell me what you want. Um, Le Miller uh, as I told you, it's a research study on our fantasies and that, What's really scary is that, you know, we're told what we should want. And if we don't want it that way, then there's something wrong with us. There's one way to have sex.
1: Yeah. And there's one way to experience desire. There's one way to have a healthy libido. There's one way to, you know, there's a right number of times that you should be having sex in a week.
0: Oh, that in- drives me crazy.
1: That you know? And there's one way to orgasm, vaginal penetration. I don't know many women that orgasm from vaginal penetration. We need clitoral stimulation. It's like the vast number of women need that.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was Sigmund Freud who said that was the right way to orgasm.
0: Well, and Sherry Height, as you know, the Height Report, um, was written or, in 1976 and for our listeners, it's the largest study on female uh, desire and sexuality. I think it was about 3000 respondents, but I'm reading the responses and I'm like, this could be today. The responses of 1976. Not much has changed. (laughs) No. And I'm thinking, you know, women that are admitting anonymously because none of them wanted their names in it saying things like, you know, I'm curious about having sex with a woman, but I'll never do it. And I'm like, why not? Why, why? It's so much shame. What would people think? What would people say? Yeah.
1: What would I think of myself? Does that mean I'm a lesbian? I don't want to be a lesbian.
0: (laughs) It's shameful, you know, to be open sexually. Oh my god, cut my hair and be butchy. Like (laughs) I think people really think that way. I think that all of a sudden that because um, their body is telling them one thing and especially about the things that are really kinky or really off the charts right well
1: and there's normal
0: right what
1: the fuck is normal
0: no just I, because
1: you're human you're normal just yeah. de facto <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah but no the minute it goes it deviates a little bit um then then it's From the
1: puritan fantasy what's the pure like missionary position once a month <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so you said something at the beginning that was curious you said we're going through a sexual recession um I wonder because I know that there's more sexologists and there's more or somatic the the whole field well, we're in trouble we're in trouble okay okay so you know, it, it makes me think of different eras like, um, you know, Marie Antoinette when they would ha- go to their cottages and have sex and, uh, and then come back and, and have the, the proper royal life. So mm-hmm. is it so now we're just talking about it more? <laughs> is that what's going on? It's it's that division, right? That we talked about
1: earlier, the wedge that's being driven between us because of these very important movements on one hand, but there's a dark side to it as well. It's causing us to be afraid of each other. And so there are more and more single people who are hyper independent. Yeah. And a lot of porn addiction. Mm, yeah. So we we get satisfied in different ways and, and, you know, maybe there's more, um, the, the sex clubs and things like that. However, the people in long-term monogamous relationships or people who are in any c- kind of committed relationship are fewer
0: and farther between. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So here's a question based on that. Are we seeing, because I know, you know, 50 Shades of Grey, which I feel like is just a ripoff from nine and a half weeks. As a yeah, child, right? in the 80s, I think it's just, it's a ripoff. But are we seeing more couples? And are you hearing that couples are like, okay, it's broken. Why don't we try opening up the relationship? Are people being a little bit more open? There's to- a lot of
1: fear depending on the age of the couple. Okay. The younger generations are more and more open to it. It's definitely something we hear a lot about in the place where I live. Yeah. Uh, older let's say four in their forties and up fewer couples are interested in that because of it's, I think it's a generational Mm. thing, fear, jealousy, and they're living in sexless sexless relationships and, and they don't want to open it up. And so that is tough. I think women are feeling more empowered to not want to have sex that they don't want, which is great.
0: Yeah.
1: And they're, they're, not necessarily keeping their pilot light lit at the same time. Mm. So they're they're not figuring out ways around how to not have the monotonous sex life. Men are statistically happier to have bad sex as long as it's regular. Whereas women they see it as a torture or or duty sex and it's just they would <laughs> rather
0: yeah it's like eating a frozen dinner every night, like yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> mashed, mashed potatoes, oh yeah, yeah, we need novelty it's it's a big part of the female psyche sexuality behavior. We need novelty and highly erotic sex right is more exciting for us. and it goes right back back to bonobos <laughs> it's, yes. it's ingrained very deeply,
0: yeah, so. Um, I, my listeners probably won't know what that is. So can you explain? Bonobos? Yeah. Yeah. So bonobos
1: are the closest living relative that we have. They're monkeys. And the way that they experience their sexuality is the females will tend to, um, sneak off and have sex with other monkeys in other, um, what do you call them? clans tribes what what are monkeys yeah. groups other monkey groups other monkeys, they tend yeah. to be more promiscuous <laughs> and they also tend to have sex what appears and and masturbation as well What appear in a, a way that appears more for the joy of it and the fun of it
0: yeah okay yeah. yeah we are bonobos yeah yeah and then when i think of bonobos also it's uh meredith shivers from mm-hmm. queen's university um, a, a very uh, well known uh sex not therapist researcher, sorry, who also did studies where she had these um mechanisms that me- measured the blood flow in partners' genitals, and men were very predictable in their arousal. Mm-hmm. Some lesbians, uh, a hot woman, women got turned on by everything, (laughs) which I think is wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's also, it's, it's nuanced to the broad range of what
1: can excite us. And um, I don't know if you know, Emily Nagoski, but she's one of my gurus. Yeah. Um, She talks about the fact that it doesn't necessarily correlate. Like women don't necessarily understand when they're being aroused. It's not, something that's cognitive, yeah. They, they don't necessarily, or we don't necessarily realize that it's arousing us. We might say, no, I don't find that arousing, yet our genitals will say something different.
0: Yeah. 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 And that I find is fascinating because as I've gone on my sexual journey and discovered things that I'm like, wow, that turns me on. And Paul would like your body wants what your body wants, baby. Like, you know, it's like the heart wants what the heart wants, right? You Oh yeah. You... There's no reasoning. There's no rationality. There's no... No. no, no. You're like, I can't be in love with this person, <laughs> 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 but you are, you you know? So yeah, there's this idea that um, I feel like if we were stripped of our cultural shoulds and we listened to, really listened to what we wanted. We we experimented with what we wanted, what's what's possible, Mm -hmm. then um I feel like that gets to your essence. You know, it's like anything else. Like you you shop around for a career. Why wouldn't you shop around for your sexual pleasures just as much? Like, nah, keep the conversation open, right? And it's all about vulnerability
1: like leaning into that fear of being vulnerable and asking for what you want and, and exploring and trying different things because yeah. how do we know? How do we know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, the other thing that I, I always think about is that we're taught as women, especially, okay, you want to be a good feminist, you're going to go and you're going to say the things that you need to say and you're going to ask for what you want. Why is sex any different? It it's and especially when we get older, you know. Okay, we've done that. We we've seen, we've seen the Parthenon. We've seen the Eiffel Tower. So then you're like, well, what? And happening? I know how to make my partner come. Yeah,
1: like I know <laughs> the way there. Yeah, and there's no sexual tension in that equation.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's...
1: and that is what is
0: erotic. The sexual tension. Yeah, like getting outside, feeling a little as you said like fearful or shaky, but getting past that is the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It can be really
0: exciting. Um of your of your clients then is polyamory something that so we did touch a little bit on this, but um can you talk about polyamory like are people as you said, you know, who are older, aren't looking at it as much, but um, you know, when, in my experience, I mean, I, I'm not sure
1: about the whole statistics of polyamory and it would depend on where you live. Definitely. Yeah. But I know a lot of younger couples in their twenties and thirties are definitely more inclined Mm. to be in monogamish, um (laughs) relationships which i like that because it's there are so many different ways of living uh, a more open relationship as well there's like the kitchen table um way of being in a polyamorous situation there's the primary partner um where you have your primary sexual partner and you can also date maybe you, you make agreements like sex is off the table with other people, but you can explore in other ways or I have to meet them first. I mean, there's so many different prevalent. ways, but yeah, it's definitely more prevalent, pre- prevalent.
0: Prevalent, yep. Yeah.
1: relevant <laughs> in the younger yeah. generations, for sure.
0: Well, and uh I read open uh Rachel Cram. Right, that's a good um, book. And yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, maybe... She, she she explored it maybe with the wrong person, but, but, you know, that's just semantics, but that um, I think what I, f- I appreciate about all of the different alternatives is that it requires conversation.
1: It opens up a stream of communication that at a deeper level that you would never get in just a sim- not a simple monogamous relationship, but yeah, when it's just two people, because there's trust that's at stake.
0: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's uh, and you said vulnerability. You know, the minute that you say to someone, "Oh my gosh, I think this is what I want," and you close your eyes and you you know step Are back still and wait. Me?
1: Are you still? Is it? Is it okay? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And um, I feel like in previous relationships, I just whatever you want uh sure i because i didn't right? want to rock the boat you know no we don't, don't want to, want to each other. We,
1: we don't want to disappoint each other we which we, we strive for perfection you know to to be the perfect partner to please to not want to hurt and that is one of the number one ways to destroy a relationship because your your boundaries like the other person can't feel you where you stop and start like (laughs) there's nothing for them to yeah
0: yeah Yeah. and it is um you know in in many ways i feel like women are um yeah i've heard from so many friends who speak to me on the side and say you know i wish i had explored more or and i'm like you're not dead dead. (laughs) 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 like what yeah. I have I have a
1: couple of clients who are in their 70s and they're having the best sex of their lives right
0: now. It's like 70. Yeah. Wow. So oh, excited cute. for them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 70 coming to you. That's that's very nice. Okay.
1: Oh yeah. Um, and there's one thing I wanted to talk about. I'm not sure if you're you have other questions, but, um, the core desires piece, which is a big part of the somatica method is I help people find their core desires. And that is your direct path to arousal. And it comes out of our childhood wounding and it stays with us for the rest of our lives. So it is an, a few ingredients of what arouses us or what turns us on yeah, and those ingredients never change. Oh, It's not merely actions or ways of having sex. It's actual feelings that we need to feel in order to be aroused.
0: Interesting. And that never changes,
1: never changes the way it looks might change. As yes. you said, you're finding your you know, your path to arousal in different ways as you get older. But I would say that the ingredients of what is arousing you is, are the same Mm. and it's how you feel about the experience. Okay. Okay. What's an example? So for example, um, I was pretty neglected as a child, uh, growing up in the eighties. I was a latchkey kid. I also had a parent that was, um, uh, experiencing severe depression, clinical depression, and um, and there was alcoholism, et cetera, et cetera. So I was left to my own devices. Um, and so neglect was part of my childhood wounding. Yeah. And that has translated into me needing to feel actually delighted in mm-hmm. by my
0: partner okay. because
1: it's the opposite of my wounding. And so it's the psyche's way of trying to heal that relationship with my parents, right? Yeah and and oftentimes it's the opposite of what your wounding is or it could be <clears throat> um, the same. Hmm. So I also not I not only need to be delighted in and like really like actively see that they're taking pleasure in in giving me pleasure, right. I also need to be a little bit neglected. Oh, okay. So don't dote on me. Don't, you know, put me up on a pedestal. Don't follow me around like a puppy dog. It. I feel suffocated and I feel like it's too much. So don't respond to my texts immediately. Don't call me five times a day. You know, I need some, I need a lot of space. Yeah. In order to feel aroused. I need to be teased with it a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: so this is my path to creating this cocktail that is my unique blueprint of arousal.
0: Right.
1: But somebody might need to feel humiliated or criticized. And that would come from the childhood wounding if they were humiliated or criticized as a child. When we're forming our idea of sexuality, which is like, or not, it's not cognitive, but the programming of sexuality between the ages of two and seven.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then other sexual traumas can influence it if they happen later in life.
0: But yeah, that's it. I've read a lot about um, specific kinks that are quote unquote, uh, normal, that things like um, bondage or dominance sometimes are, um, if it's, if it's talking about a, a rape victim, somebody who wants to reenact that rape. It might be because this time they're number one in a safe environment, and number two, they're controlling the narrative. That's it.
1: It's having control or some sort of agency over what happened to them when they didn't have control.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like it, it and it helps to soothe, though it's like a balm or a salve for those wounds because yeah. we are having a, a sense of control around the situation.
0: Yeah. Sexual healing. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: medicine. It can be a powerful medicine and actually be used to heal childhood wounds.
0: Wow. Yeah. If,
1: if you know what you need and you feel empowered to ask for it and your partner's willing to give it to you, it's not always the case that your partner is willing and able and has capacity and desire yeah. to do you what you need.
0: Well, and yeah, to, to be open to that, you know, um, I've Mm -hmm. been with people where, and I can think of them in my head that would be so not open to exploring some of the possibilities. Mm they just shut it down because they think, oh, that that just sounds icky or "That's, that's not right. You know?
1: Yeah. It's the shame piece, right? There's only one or some right ways of experiencing arousal. But mm-hmm. uh, really if you understand the psychology of arousal, there would be more compassion
0: and empathy because yeah. it does come out uh, of some horrendous situations sometimes. Well in that you know we talked about this earlier that sex is not just sex sex is as you said like you grow what you were saying about feeling um, neglected growing up mm-hmm. hands up. Uh, yeah. Latchkey kid. And, um, so there, yeah. Um, And no
1: fault from our parents. I mean, they were dealing with their own issues, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and it was a different time, right. That, you know, I, my mom was a single mom and she was just, we were, we blossomed sexually at the same time. You know, she met someone and was like, what's going on. And she was off on her own transformation. And I was, pubescent going, what what do I do? <laughs> so so um I get it. I and I too oscillate between I need to I need to go and travel by myself for a few months. I need to do that in my life. And then I need you to doubt on me and um think that I'm you know the sun shines out of my ass. Like I need to feel that I need to feel like the most special person, but I also need to go and be alone. Yeah. Like for huge chunks of time. But I think only if that feeding what you need only comes from actually asking those questions. You know, well,
1: I mean, and the way that I arrive at the core desires with people is we talk about the hottest sex they've ever had. Mm. And the ingredients, okay, what led up to it? What was the relationship? What was the connection? Where were you? What were, like? And, and so I get all the little details and we try to see what the thread is in, on an emotional level. Yeah. yeah. Because the people may change and the situations may change, but the hottest sex always has a few of those main ingredients. Right. And it could take you know, years to figure it out. It's not like an immediate process. It's like kind of like a trial and error. But once you find out what those emotions are that help to keep you aroused, then you can figure out different ways of getting those emotions met.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like, um, you know, eating, you know, that there's certain ingredients that are just it hits the spot every time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But you don't want
1: to eat the same meal.
0: No, <laughs> <not>. <laughs> no
1: but yeah, it, I like eggplant. I like it fried. I like baba ghanoush. I like, oh. you know, in pasta. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But you got to mix it up. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. And surprise,
0: surprise me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, what was I going to ask you? Uh, the last question I ask this is is very huge. It sort of touches on everything we've we talked about, but women specifically, what are we still scared about when it comes to our sexuality? Hmm. I think
1: one. I mean, there are so many things yeah. that we're afraid of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one is, I feel like we've been fed this idea that it's not okay to love sex Mm -hmm. because it's it means you're a slut right so that's one thing and so we don't necessarily keep our pilot lights lit by doing the things that help us to feel sexy right because it's not okay that sex is dangerous we're taught this at the way that we're educated at school it's like we're talking about you know, they talk about STDs and pregnancy and what not to do. And so there's this fear that men, men's sexuality is harmful. It's dangerous. It needs to be kept in check. Mm-hmm. And so we're also afraid of, of losing control and letting go.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Perl says that she's like, you know, in North America, we're so obsessed with control yeah. that if we start having wild, insane kinds of sex are we going to stop paying our bills are we going to like
1: the whole society is going to (laughs) yeah we're going to live in anarchy but we would be happier we would be so much happier
0: yeah yeah Um, i mean it's there it's free it's
1: (laughs) (laughs) and it's if you think about it it is the most powerful energy system that we have access to Oh, yeah. I mean, it creates life. It's life force. It, and it can be used for creative energy, for healing. Um, it, it helps like de-stress. We live in such pressurized ways, right? Of being busy and all of these societal expectations put on us that having regular good sex can cure so much of
0: that. Yeah, oh, I agree. I agree. And even, you know, the idea, like, when I'm done here, I'm going to a coffee shop, and I'm going to wear red lipstick. <laughs> like, <laughs> And it's ridiculous, but you get, you know, in a land of fleece and uh, puffer vests, it's like, I just, I want someone to look at me. I want just to just have a little twinkle in someone's eye, you know? Uh, and, and it's okay to flirt. It doesn't have to go
1: anywhere. It's okay to yeah. be like, okay, I'm done now. But that was really great, you know?
0: Why oh, not? yeah. The first time that I openly flirted in front of Paul and, uh, or, or someone asked if they could uh, touch my stomach at a party, they asked him, they didn't ask me, they asked him And Paul was like, "Um, I'm sorry, it's her body. She can answer (laughs) the question herself. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, it is mine. I can answer that. And, you know, having permission, it's permission with ourselves and then telling our partners what we want, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they have to deal with that because it is our body. And those little flirtations, they make my day. Oh my gosh, it's
1: beautiful. (laughs) Please flirt.
0: Thanks for listening to The Sexy Times and be sure to subscribe. You don't want to miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate and review The Sexy Times where you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to reach out to me or send me some research, send me a note at gmail.com. Later, ladies!